Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And we're the hosts of the Anxiety Chicks podcast, where we dive deep into the reality of anxiety, nutrition, and mental health. Listen as we explore all things anxiety healing while keeping it real, including our own struggles with mental health. We'll bring our expertise as healing professionals to the conversation while discussing the tools and strategies you need to heal the anxious mind. Listen to the Anxiety Chicks on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And we're the hosts of the Anxiety Chicks podcast, where we dive deep into the reality of anxiety, nutrition, and mental health. Listen as we explore all things anxiety healing while keeping it real, including our own struggles with mental health. We'll bring our expertise as healing professionals to the conversation while discussing the tools and strategies you need to heal the anxious mind. Listen to the Anxiety Chicks on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Sepinera. And I'm Taylor. And we're excited to be back with you guys again this week. We are so excited because we're starting sort of a new series. You you guys have heard, well, if you've listened to the last couple weeks or months, you've noticed that we've had a bunch of doctors come on, different types of doctors, to talk a little bit about anxiety related to other type of physical health conditions. And so we're going to continue that series, uh, you know, consistently, but we're also going to start talking to real life, um, I say real life people, but everyone's real life people. Real humans. <laughs> real humans. <laughs> um, what, what I mean is people that are going to come on and talk to us about their real life healing journey and um, what has happened in their life related to anxiety and depression and their own mental health. It's going to be very conversational. You might hear some of my friends come on. You might hear some of Taylor's friends come on. You might hear a bunch of people that just really want to tell their stories. And we've actually been getting a lot of DMs um, about people wanting to tell their stories. And I think it's amazing and it's incredible because I think that's a transformative part of this whole process. I think that's why a lot of people follow me because they feel like they can relate to what I'm going through and relate to my story and feel a lot less alone. So, um, so without further ado, I want to introduce our first real human. You guys, she's a real human. <laughs> No UFOs. Um, you might know her um, uh, from this little page on Instagram called Dear My Anxiety. Not little. She has a, a lot of followers. Steph, welcome to the Anxiety. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be your first live human on the show. <laughs> you are our first human. Oh, my goodness. No, yes. Um, first person who really has come on to share their story, for sure. And we're so, so thankful that you could come on. And I know um, for anyone who hasn't been following her, you know, we've been, I, I really consider you like a, f a friend and yeah, a healer um, on this platform. I've gone live with you a couple times and I'm just really thankful that you're able to come on and be vulnerable in this space and tell us your story. And just thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. I, I feel like we're like, <clears throat> I really do feel like we're friends. I've talked to you both <laughs> through DMs so much since the beginning. So it's nice to be able to chat. 
Yes. Oh my gosh, totally. So I guess, why don't we just start from the beginning? Um, tell us a little bit about your journey as far as anxiety has gone and like how long you've been struggling and kind of where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So I am 26 years old now and I started experiencing anxiety. I pretty much say my whole life because the first signs of anxiety that I had were was at around six years old. So I was quite young. And obviously, at the time, I did not know that what I was experiencing was anxiety. I was just kind of confused. I was like, what are these feelings that I'm feeling right now? And as a six-year-old, it's hard to have the language to articulate what you're feeling. So my my mom just kind of thought, well, she's probably just, I don't know, having nightmares because it used to happen a lot at night before I'd go to sleep or in the middle of the night, I'd wake up with panic attacks. And so my mom just thought like, oh, she's having nightmares or like she's just having like normal nerves about school. Like she didn't really know what was going on. And so because I couldn't articulate it, there were so many years that went by that I was just experiencing Yes. Is there, is there, while you're telling your story, so we don't miss parts, I want to ask like questions in between so we don't forget. So yeah. when you say like your mom didn't know, so was there any anxiety or like mental health struggles in your family? Yeah. Like, did you grow <clears throat> up with like parents who had anxiety or anything? Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry guys, my voice. Um, oh, you're fine. It's okay. Yeah. So actually my mom has panic disorder okay. um, and my dad what struggled with addiction. And um, so he was in rehab. So he wasn't around when I was a kid. Um, he was gone for about 10 years when I was growing up. So my mom raised me and my sisters on her own. Um, wow. And as a result of what happened with my dad, because my dad was um, addicted to alcohol and drugs. So he was basically left my mom in a situation where she had to raise three children on her own. She had to get a job. She had to get multiple jobs to support us. And so as a result of that, she kind of had like, she had a lot of anxiety, like yeah. right, right, rightfully so. Right. So she ended up having to go to the hospital. Um, she was in the hospital for two weeks and then came out and she was diagnosed with panic disorder um, and so I think my mom, even though experiencing mental illness herself, she just had so much on her plate, mm -hmm. raising three children by herself, that I think it was as much as she loved and cared for us and wanted the best for us, it was really hard for her to give us all the attention that we needed growing up because she was so focused on like survival like how can yeah. i support these children and make sure that these kids like eat to dinner um yeah, you know totally. what i mean so it was less less focused on mental health more on like physical health like let me make sure these kids are taken Absolutely. care of physically um, yeah so. i i also think that there's um not as much education yet for parents about what anxiety looks like in children. Mm -hmm. um, for me, you know, I'm a <laughs> psychologist, so I've studied it and I know it, but I think if you haven't been able to, to be in that position to know about it, it's really hard to know what to look for in signs for children with anxiety. And so many caregivers and, and parents, you know, that is a huge part of the day to day is to make sure that they're fed and to make sure, mm -hmm. you know, you have a house, a roof over your you know, head and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. no, I also wow. think You're it was, 
sorry. I also think it was a generation before us too that mm-hmm. like our parents' generation or my mom's generation, like they didn't talk about mental health as much no. as we do now. Right. Totally. I, I was going to, yeah, I was going to ask, did she accept her diagnosis? Like, did she think that like, oh yeah, that is what I'm dealing with? Or was she just kind of like, ah, oh, like, you know, I just kind of had a minute. Yeah, I think so. Like, she never, after that, she like never went to therapy or she yeah, never did yeah. anything else really to help that's, with that. Yeah, that's kind of like my mom. It's like, she like so clearly has anxiety, mm-hmm. but it's like something with their generation that it's really it's not hard. It's just almost like we we get through tough things. Like we yes. go through, they saw their parents struggle and then they went through a lot. Like, I mean, I hate, not that life is a lot easier for our generation because it's not, it has its own challenges. But like, I feel like we have the resources and more ability to focus on mental health and like mm-hmm. to actually accept it. Whereas back in the day, they were just like, no, I'm fine. Like whatever. So mm-hmm. I see that with my mom. So I, I bet like your mom also, like a part of her, was so scared of seeing that in you that she almost like didn't want to even she oh it's just a kid having nightmares like you yeah. know like she almost like didn't want because she knew the pain she went through like she didn't want to see that in you so it's like oh no you're fine like my parents always do that like you're fine like you're fine like even if i'm like some i could have like a broken bone they're like you're fine everything's fine because <laughs> they just want you to be okay and so it's almost like it's not like she d- didn't want to like feel for you she just didn't know how and she didn't want it to happen to you Absolutely. And even now, I mean, I just went through, you guys know, I just had a kind of like a, a really tough um, couple months. And even now she was like, kind of blaming herself. Now looking back, she's like, Oh, I wish yeah. that I saw signs when you were younger. I wish that I got you help earlier. And I was like, don't, don't blame yourself. Yeah. Don't feel guilty. Like you were going through your own thing. And the thing is like, I did blame her for many years. And yep. I, I finally did get to a place where I don't blame her anymore. And that has been a huge part of my healing process as well as like forgiving my parents for everything that happened when I was a kid. And, and everything that I believe that contributed or I believed that contributed to my anxiety. And I forgave my parents for that. And I think that that was really healing. But I told her, I said, listen, you are going through something. And as you get older, you realize your parents are human beings too, experiencing Mm -hmm. their own, um, you know, life as well. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I told her like, listen, don't worry about it. And so that, that I think was a really, that really helped improve our relationship as well, I think. That's so great. I mean, I I totally hear you about seeing your parents as human versus, mm-hmm. you know, talking about humans from the beginning. Um, you know, it wasn't until I actually saw my mom and dad as humans as I started growing up and thinking, wow, they actually also had their own struggles with their parents. And it's so generational the way these things happen um, that there's such a huge part of forgiveness. And it really I always talk. I always tell my tell my clients that I work with my practice, you know, none of this is about blame. Everybody mm-hmm. has um, mm-hmm. everything that they've gone through themselves, right? Like when we talk about the history with your parents or caregivers, it's not about blame. It's just it's about raising awareness for what happened mm-hmm. in the family, you know, function, you know, the household. So, um, so, so going back to when you were younger and kind of continuing that story a little bit. Um, so you had nightmares and all of that, and so 
when what what kinds of parts of your you know childhood do you remember that really you can look back now and say wow okay this was definitely part of you know my my anxiety or my mental health that was contributing to this and what kinds of experiences have you had yeah so i also struggle with ocd as well which i just recently got my diagnosis for Uh, a few months ago, but that was something that I always knew that I had, even as a child. And so I had a lot of symptoms of both OCD and anxiety. I remember very clearly in elementary school and one of a very, like a very like memorable, um, kind of thing that pops up into my brain is that whenever I would have to give a presentation or whenever I would have to do a test, I would get so nervous sometimes that I would throw up. And I think that there was like, in my mind, hard to distinguish because it's like, I knew that it was normal to be nervous, but then there's nervous and then there's anxiety, Mm -hmm. right? Like, it's like, there is that distinction. And so for me to be throwing up before presentations very often, I knew like, okay, this something's not really, I mean, I didn't know at the time looking back, I know something's not really right there, right? Like I'm experiencing high levels of nervousness and high levels of anxiety for, for that to be happening so often. Um, and just situations like that would happen really often. And I would, I would, you know, I was kind of the kid where I would be in the office every other day calling home saying like, I don't feel well. Can you come pick me up? Um, I have a stomach ache or I, I feel weird or I feel off or whatever. And as a single mother, my mom, it was hard for her to come and leave and come pick me up. So she would always have to find someone to come pick me up. So there was that frustration as well. It's like, Steph, you're okay. It's fine. Just go back to school. You know, like, you're not sick. We took you to the doctor. Everything's fine. So yeah, it was just experiences like that. And then as far as OCD, like I have a lot of memories of just like me doing certain things um, because I thought that if I didn't do them, something bad was going to happen. So for me, it was a lot of like doing things in fours because there was four people in my family and that's so illogical to you as a child. Right. And you're, it was so confusing. It was like, why do I have to do things in fours? Um, because I thought that if I didn't, that something bad was going to happen, that like yeah. someone in my family was going to die or something. And so it was really confusing for me. And especially OCD, I feel like was even more um, confusing to people to my parents because I remember when I like told my mom something like that she was like that doesn't make sense like just stop doing that yeah because like it's even like more illogical because like what are you talking about just stop doing things in force especially if if people really don't know anything about OCD right? right and you're sort of seeing these behaviors and yeah, and you can you can look at that if you have no grasp on any kind of obsessive compulsive education or anything that can seem really jarring, you know, mm-hmm. to, to see people in your that you love, especially your kids, you know, having these behaviors. And absolutely. That's so, and did those did those behaviors for you stay with stay with throughout? No. Yes. No. They so they okay. so they. um I had them all through elementary school and then in high school they went away okay. <clears throat> and it was just m- mostly 
anxiety that I was experiencing a lot through a lot through high school, a lot of anxiety. And so when I got my diagnosis, it was generalized anxiety disorder um, because a lot of my OCD symptoms had dissipated. And then they came back pretty full force about a year ago. And I mean, I was doing some reading. You would probably know this better than I would, but um, that sometimes, you know, it can go away for certain periods um, and then come back during stressful life experiences. And so I think this past year being 26 and just kind of being like confused about my life and just, you know, graduating from school and having a lot of financial stress, I, I don't know if that was why I was just kind of going through a more stressful time in my life. And uh, I noticed that the OCD came creeping back in. And uh, yeah, so that led me to getting my diagnosis, which I am happy about in a way because it was validating for me to get that diagnosis because that's something that I used to experience as a kid. And I was like confused about, I was like, what is this? <laughs> what is going on? So, yeah. yeah. And so, okay, so do you think that, and maybe you can talk a little bit on this now with what you've been through in the last couple months, Mm -hmm. um, because as I was following your stories on Instagram and you were sharing, but also you took a little bit of time off from Mm -hmm. the gram, which was, I think, really good because you had mentioned that you needed to really just step back from some things so you could focus on yourself, which is incredible. And I think everyone needs to do if they can identify that about their life. Um, and so, so could you tell us a little bit more about what, what you went through in the past couple months? And was that sort of, I guess, I'm just wondering, was this sort of a, an episode that you had never really had as intensely before? Because it sounds like that's what it was. And you've learned a lot about yourself anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely have never experienced anything like that. That was a, for sure the hardest period of my life. Um, you know, like I said, I experienced anxiety my whole life and it was something that I was used to. And I had, I've been going to therapy since I was 18, right? So I developed so many tools and, and that's part of the reason why I started my page is to talk about the tools that I've learned that have helped me to get through the anxiety that I've, I've, you know, lived so much of my life with. And so this kind of came as like a shock to me. But at the same time, when I thought back on it, I was like, okay, this was coming. I knew this was coming kind of thing. Interesting. Um, and... It was just interesting because I know so many tools to help my anxiety. So I was wondering, like, why is nothing working right now? Like, why aren't these tools that I have practiced for so many years not working? And that was the frustrating part because I felt like, well, I'm I'm an anxiety, like, expert. I mean, not really, but because I've experienced it my whole life, like I should know how to handle this and I don't. And sometimes I think in life, we're just faced with situations and, you know, we just, we don't know as much as we might have background information or tools. We don't know what to do. (laughs) 100%. Right. That's why why I say that healing is not linear. And whenever, whenever anyone tries to tell me that anxiety is curable, I'm like, okay, no, it's it's manageable. Yes. You can go your whole life managing it and maybe never having a panic attack again, but you're never, there's going to be life situations that are going to make you feel overwhelmed. If you learn mm-hmm. how to manage them, wonderful. Absolutely. But, so it sounds like this, this, at this point in your life was one of those times when you felt like it was sort of unmanageable and you were trying yes. to 
to get. So can you tell us a little bit more about what was, was there like a specific, I don't know if you know this now, but like a, a, maybe a trigger or something mm-hmm. that you can identify that led you into this, to like an episode that you had and what kind of symptoms did you have and what did you, yeah, what yeah. you going through? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I've definitely had a lot of time to reflect on this. And so I'm kind of, you know, I've made a lot of realizations about about the situation and about even the position that I was in before it happened. So when I, it happened at the uh, end of December, beginning of January, and I had just gotten home from a vacation that I took. I went on vacation for two weeks with my boyfriend. We went to um, Nashville and then we went to Florida. And it was a great trip, honestly. The only thing that I could say now looking back that was kind of like the calm before the storm was I was having a lot of trouble sleeping. And that's not really unusual for me because I've struggled with insomnia for a very long time. But it gets worse when I go on vacation, which I think a lot of people can relate to just because you're out of your comfort zone. You're not sleeping in your own bed, whatever. So, um, and my boyfriend, he kind of like snores. So it was like, (laughs) it's hard to sleep next to him. So there was like at one point during the trip, like I slept, thank God there was another bedroom. I slept in the other bedroom. Like I'm not doing this because I need to get a good night's rest. So yeah, I, I just wasn't sleeping very well. And, and it was just like kind of one night after another that it was getting worse and worse and worse. So I was looking forward to coming home just because of that, because I'm like, you know what, I want to go home and I want to have a good night's rest. And in my bed, I will. So I remember getting home and just being really excited to go to sleep. And then that night when I got home, I couldn't sleep again. And I, I slept maybe like three, four hours. And I was like, okay, that's not too bad, but still like, that's not great. I thought that I was going to get an amazing sleep. The next night after that, I ended up getting really sick. I woke up and I was just like super sick and I had this flu. And I know I was talking to Taylor about it. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was COVID. I don't know what what uh, illness it was. But um, yeah, so I ended up just being really sick and it was probably the worst sickness that I ever had in my life. Like I was, my body was like burning hot. My fever was so high. I didn't know what to do. I was considering going to the hospital and I was telling my mom, like, I've never felt this way before. And so I just kept kind of taking, taking the Tylenol. I kept taking whatever things that were helping me. Um, and, the night that night, um, I didn't sleep at all because when you're sick, it's hard to sleep, right? And also with anxiety about what was going on with my body. So it was health anxiety as well as physical discomfort, not being able to sleep. And that just set off three nights or four nights in a row where I did not sleep one single hour. Oh my gosh. Yes. And my body, by the end of that, was in full fight or flight mode. Totally, yeah. I was profusely shaking throughout my days. I could not eat. I could not even get up off of my couch. I was just completely debilitated by the anxiety. And I remember my mom said, okay, one more night and... If you can't sleep tomorrow, we're going to go to the hospital. 
At this point, the flu or whatever I had, it had passed. Mm-hmm. And so we were going to go to the hospital because I couldn't sleep because of how bad the anxiety was. And I've never been to the hospital for my anxiety before. Um, so that was something that was kind of nerve wracking for me. I was like, I don't know what the process is going to look like going in for my mental health. Like it was a little bit worrisome. And I knew they were going to ask me a lot of questions. And I think I was just scared and intimidated. And so the next morning, again, didn't sleep. So woke up in a panic. Well, not even woke up because I didn't even go to sleep. Just, I guess, you know, the morning came. My mom woke up. She asked me if I had gone to sleep and I told her no. Um, And so she's like, okay, I think we need to go to the hospital. So we have something in Canada called telehealth. And I don't know if you have anything similar to that. But basically, it's you just call in and you talk to a nurse and then a nurse tells you what they think the best option is for you. And so I did that because I didn't want to go straight to the hospital. I wanted to just kind of talk to someone first. And so I remember I had a conversation with the nurse and she was asking me a bunch of questions about my physical condition, like what's your heart rate at, um, just questions like that. And that was the question actually that landed me in the hospital because she said, test what your heart rate is. So we're counting it and it's, you know, through the roof, obviously, because I'm having really bad anxiety. She's like, okay, well, that sounds dangerous. So she didn't say it in those words. Oh, I was about to say, I'm like, I would have been like strapped into an ambulance at that point. (laughs) No, it's like she she expressed concern. She was like, okay, that's something, you know, that we should probably check in on. So then she ordered me an ambulance and an ambulance came to my house and picked me up and I went to the hospital and uh, they checked my heart. Everything was fine. I was I was having, you know, an anxiety attack and not everything was fine because it wasn't really fine. But I mean, just physically or physiologically, everything was okay in that moment. Um, And yeah. And so then they, you know, they had a crisis worker meet with me. They talked to me. They asked me, you know, all the questions that they, they have to ask. And I just explained to them, like, my anxiety is so bad that I cannot sleep and I cannot function. Mm-hmm. And uh, the doctor ended up giving me a sleeping medication. And he said, okay, well, we can give this to you, but I'm only going to give you four. So you need to go to your family doctor first thing. Because this was a week. I think it was like a Friday or something. So he's like, you need to go to your doctor first thing Monday morning or call your doctor first thing Monday morning and make an appointment with her. And so I said, okay. And then they also referred me to a psychiatrist, but that was going to take some time. Um, The whole process of seeing a psychiatrist is just so like complicated, even when you're in crisis. Can I ask you a question about that? Just because uh, you're in Canada. I'm so curious Mm -hmm. in Canada, do you, are you, are you supposed to search out your own psychiatrist or does does do you have like the nurse type of thing who does that for you too? It's all by referral. Yeah. I mean, I think you can seek out a psychiatrist, but you'd have to pay out of pocket in that regard. Yeah. It's the same out of network and then they can, the in network, they can, they can refer you. Yeah. Like, okay, that's kind of, that's kind of similar. Yeah. The only thing Um, is though, when you get referred, the waiting period is extremely long. long. Oh my gosh. That's totally how it is here too, Mm -hmm. especially considering the last couple of years. It's been, it's been wonderful. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in awe about just 
imagining what you must have felt like in this situation. I mean, just ex- expressing the story. I mean, you're telling it in such a way that is making me feel for you. Like I'm not not like getting anxious, but I can. I'm getting anxious for if I was with you mm-hmm. in that moment, that I would feel. I I know for me being around people with high like high crisis anxiety for me is I'm just not good at that. I'm like not good in crisis situations, I think because of my own anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I can like feel how scary that must have been for you. And so I am, I feel for you. I do. Um, And I I can't wait to hear the rest of this, this story. We're going to take a short little break, um, get some more from our sponsors, and then we'll, we'll come back um, with your story. Okay. Perfect. Hi guys. Today's episode is brought to you by Air Doctor. After using my Air Doctor for a couple weeks now, I am here to say one thing and one thing only. You need an Air Doctor. (laughs) It has been a game changer for me for my morning allergies. I usually wake up and I'm stuffy for like 30 to 40 minutes and lately that has not been the case. It's an actual miracle. I have two dogs that shed so dust and dander live all around me everywhere. Having allergies makes me extremely anxious because I feel like I'm sick or that I'm getting sick or I don't know how I'm even feeling because I just feel congested and it just is not the vibe. Ever since getting my air doctor, I feel more in control of my allergies and am now a quality air snob. Did you know according to the EPA, indoor air could be two to five times more polluted than outdoor air and in some cases it could be a hundred times more polluted. About 165 million people live in areas with unhealthy levels of ozone or air pollution. Yes, there are many air purifiers out there, and I have tried many, but allergens can actually vary in size. The average pollen size is about 25 microns. Air Doctor virtually removes 100% of the particles as small as 0.003 microns in size. I personally have the classic Air Doctor 3000, and I absolutely love it. Air Doctor comes with a no-questions-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund, minus shipping. So head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code ANXIETYCHICKS, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to $300 off. You're saving up to $300. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code ANXIETYCHICKS. So can I just tell you how long it's taken me to find a new primary care doctor? I've wanted to change doctors for years because the practice that I've been with has never made me feel like they've had time for me. And let me tell you, there's nothing worse than going to a doctor's appointment, expecting to be the center of attention, and then your doctor seems like they have better things to do and better places to be. First of all, I'm physically not feeling well. And then, of course, I have anxiety about not feeling well. So all I want is my doctor to listen to me and actually ask me how I feel and cares about my answer. But when I go to this practice, all I feel like is a burden because my doctor keeps looking at her watch. I mean, come on, what is going on? This is why I'm so happy that I found ZocDoc, because with ZocDoc, you'll find quality doctors who focus on you 
listen to you, and prioritize your care. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. When you're not feeling your best and just trying to hold it together, you shouldn't have to worry about finding the care you need, especially when it comes to a doctor. With a few taps in the ZocDoc app, you can find the right doctor that meets your needs and fits your schedule. Go to ZocDoc.com slash AnxietyChicks and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash AnxietyChicks. ZocDoc.com slash AnxietyChicks. So we're back and I want, would love for you to tell us the rest of what's been going on. So you said psychiatrist, they referred you to the psychiatrist and okay, start from, start from there. Yeah. So they, I didn't get to see the psychiatrist that day, but they did send out a referral to me. Um, and then the doctor was basically like, this is in your family doctor's hands in the meantime, until we can have you meet with a psychiatrist. And so I made an appointment first thing. Um, the sleeping medication worked kind of, not really. It, it helps me get a few hours of sleep, but it made me feel a little bit weird. I was like, I don't really like how this is making me feel. I woke up the next day. I was very groggy. I felt really out of it. And so, um, yeah, I, I called my doctor on the Monday, made an appointment with her, ended up getting an appointment right away, which I'm so thankful for. Good. Went the next day to my family doctor, explained to her the situation. She knows I have a history of anxiety, obviously. And I explained to her kind of what was happening, how I was having a lot of sleep anxiety that I could not go to sleep. And a large part of that was because I, so getting into kind of like deeper levels of this, what was, what I was experiencing was and I, I don't know really how this exactly came on. I think it was because looking back, I hadn't slept for so long on my trip. I've always had this fear of having psychosis or hallucinating oh, or like going crazy, yeah. quote unquote. And so I had read one time in an article that this was years ago, like like 10 years ago, I read in an article that if you don't get enough sleep, that you can hallucinate. And so I started to have that thought. That thought was planted in my brain. And I started to have that thought because I was having trouble sleeping, which was just contributing so much to me not being able to sleep. Because insomnia is, is such like a cycle. It's such a vicious cycle. Because when you can't sleep, then you get anxiety about not sleeping. And then the anxiety about not sleeping makes you not sleep. Oh my gosh. And yeah. so- I was having such severe anxiety about not sleeping that I could not sleep as a result of that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was just, so scary. And and to be honest, you do feel when you don't sleep for multiple days at a time, you do feel very weird. I, I can't imagine. I mean, that's why 
it's it's a it's a very prolonged amount of time that you have to not sleep in order yes. to have psychosis. Yes. But that's why it happens. And that's why we talk about how sleep is medicine on here all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and I know the importance of sleep. And so that was playing into yeah. it. Oh. I was like, oh, my God, I need to sleep. And so anyway, I was having a lot of obsessive thoughts about sleep, um, just like a lot of anxiety around it. And so I explained to my doctor everything that was going on. She said to me, we talked about this before. This is a little bit of, of a of a harder topic for me. But she said to me, would you consider going on medication? And I remember I actually talked to you both about this. This was a really difficult decision for me to make. Initially, I said to her, no, I don't want to go on medication. I want to see if I can keep doing this on my own. And she said to me, okay, that's fine. But I'm going to write you the prescription and you can have it and you can make that decision on your own if you decide that you want to go on medication. So whatever, I got the prescription, ended up going to fill it, but it just sat there on my kitchen table for a week. And I consulted so many people during that time. You too, I consulted. I consulted like a million people, which is good and bad at the same time. It's good to talk to people about their experiences, but at the same time, you don't want too many people's opinions because then things can start to get confusing, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, so ultimately I was just in a place. And at this point I was, you know, sleeping, but I was sleeping maybe three hours a night. And I was waking up every single day with severe, severe anxiety, not eating, not wanting to leave my house, crying every single day, just feeling like an absolute mess and not knowing. At this point, I'm I'm confused. I'm like, oh, I don't even know what's going on with me. I'm trying to practice my meditation. I'm trying to um, you know, I'm trying to do all the things that I normally do. Nothing's working. My family is so concerned. Everyone's like, what is going on with Stefania? And so I remember there was one day when it was just so bad. I had probably slept two hours on and off interrupted. The next morning, my sister came over and because my sisters, they, they don't live with, uh, they don't live with me. It's just me and my mom. My sister came over and she was like trying to talk to me. And I was like, I'm sorry. I just, I can't even, I can't even like function right now. I, I felt unfunctionable. Like I just could not function. She was like, okay, I think we need to have a conversation. And so my other sister came over. We called my other sister over. My mom came to sit in the room we all just kind of sat in a circle and I was lying on the couch in tears, shaking. And they were like, I know this is tough for you. And, and I know that you don't want to, but could you consider going on the medication? And I said, this is really hard because I have so many fears about going on medication what if it doesn't work or what if it makes me feel weird or what if it, there's just, there were so many questions that I had and a lot of it, I want to say too, was internalized stigma as well, because I, I think there is a lot of stigma still about medication. Um, 
And I had a lot of that. And I was always an advocate for other people going on medication if it was suitable for them. And if they, you know, they made that informed choice for themselves. Um, but when it came to myself, I was always like, no, I don't want to go on it. I don't want to go on it. I was very kind of like, what's the word? Like adamant, I guess, about not. I, I think it's also like it because you struggle with OCD. It's almost like you don't have control over mm-hmm. exactly how it's going to work. And so it's this thing you have absolutely no control over that you're about to take and you have no idea how it's going to function or work for you. Mm-hmm. And so that is like hard to mess with your OCD. You're just like, I don't know what it's going to do, so I'm not going to do it. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, it's almost like letting, letting go. It's like a sense of like letting down like the control by taking that pill. Absolutely. And, you know, I have talked about this too, is that, that um, like medication anxiety, like fear about taking medication. And I have always been the person like, I the only medication I take is, is Advil. Like I will not yeah. take cold medication. I will not, ta- I have not taken anything really. I'm so nervous about taking medication and I don't drink alcohol either. I don't, I don't take like substances because I don't like feeling like I'm not in control of my body. And that's an anxiety thing, right? Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> totally. So what anxiety is all about, right? Is, yeah. is like feeling like you're wanting to have control over sometimes things that you can't have control over. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that was a big part of it. And But I was in a, in a situation where I felt like it was really like dire. I was like, I do not know what else to do. Yeah. And so I ended up deciding to take the medication, which was, again, a difficult de- decision for me. And... I'm lucky that my experience was positive because I know, you know, some people, they have to go through a lot of trial and error. They have to, you know, kind of go through some experiences that are not so pleasant. So I'm lucky to say that my experience was fairly positive and it did help me to get my feedback on the ground and to then put into practice different coping skills, newer coping skills, but also same some of the older coping skills that were starting to work again um, to help me get through yeah. what I was going through. Sometimes it gets to that point in life where you have to, to, you can't just start doing the work or expecting the work to start like helping you when you're in such a fight or flight constant state of mind. You have to get to that place of calm. And I, I know exa- I relate with you so much on like just literally every single day being fight or flight. Like, you know how some people are like, oh, I had a panic attack. It's like, imagine a panic attack for 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. seven days a week. It's just like, there is no rational moment to start working on the anxiety. Yeah. It's just not going to work. Like in that yeah. really, really bad, I wouldn't even, that's like not generalized anxiety. Do you know what I mean? Like that's when you're like really in a bad state and I was there and I totally get it. Like my whole family sat me down and they were like, you can't keep doing this every day. They were like, this isn't going to work. Like we love you and we're here to support you, but you don't get off the couch. You don't like, I totally sympathize with you of like that moment of just like, and then you're struggling in your own head with like, but I don't think I'm strong enough to do this. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's a really, really hard moment, but I'm sure the growth and like the strength you've developed in that moment and from doing that is probably just like unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. Looking back on it, I I think that there was a lot of lessons that I've learned. I'm, you know, I think I've heard from a lot of people who say, 
they hate they hate the saying everything happens for a reason and i get that i get that because when bad things happen you don't want to say oh it happened for a reason but i do look back on this particular situation and i do believe that it did happen for a reason because i do think that i was going down a path where i started to kind of neglect myself i started to kind of just not listen to my body and looking back that's why i say it came as a shock but it didn't at the same time because now looking back i see the position that i was in a couple months prior to this happening i was starting to just kind of not listen to myself not listen to my body i wasn't really taking care of myself i was kind of just you know i was on autopilot every single day i was just on autopilot waking up in the morning, doing my thing, but not actually checking in with myself, not actually, you know, practicing self-care, not doing all of those things. And, and so now looking back, I can realize like that I was just going to continue down that path. Um, even with my OCD, like my OCD started to get really bad and I was just like, it's okay. I'll just deal with it. This is just, I'll just live with it. And then no, because it, it kind of blew up, right? Like when you just neglect things sometimes and you keep sweeping things under the carpet, it's going to it's gonna come up. And so it, it came up for me. And unfortunately, it came up in in a really big way with with what happened to me. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of grateful that it happened looking back on it because it gave me the opportunity to really – kind of like look at myself and say, okay, I need to heal these parts of myself. Um, and, and I want to live more optimally than this. I don't want the anxiety and the OCD to continue to tear away at me every single day. I want to, I want to live better than that, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So after you were able to get your body more regulated and sounds like you did Mm-hmm. take the medication and um what was treatment like moving forward once you're once you were more regulated what did you what did you start to do as you were were healing um, what were you i guess able to do i guess because now that if you were more regulated i think like you guys were saying before um there's more of a chance to tap into that the cognitive piece where you're able to now work on that part of your brain that wasn't thinking rationally for so long because you were so dysregulated. So how did you kind of move forward? Yeah. So I, because I officially got my diagnosis with OCD, so I ended up meeting with the psychiatrist a couple weeks after um, he did an assessment and I had already known I had OCD, but getting that confirmation, I think, was important for me because, like I said, it was validating. And so then I seeked out a OCD specialist, someone who um, specializes in ERP. And so I ended up seeking that, seeking out a woman who um, specializes in that. And I also started to, I, I, I was listening a lot to the recommendations of people in my, um, in my circle who are saying like, you know, you need to, you know, you need to do this or you need to do that. Um, and so I, I was overwhelmed at first. Uh, and so it kind of took me like a little bit of time to just, 
get my feet on the ground. But I was like, I think it's probably important for me to get some physical activity um, because from what I've read about anxiety and also I knew that from the past, right? Like I knew um, through my experience with anxiety that physical activity was an important part of that. And it was really hard for me to get physical activity because I wasn't sleeping that well. But you know, I kind of had to push myself at first. And so I signed up for yoga and I started to go to yoga every single day. And I started to have a daily practice every single morning where I was meditating every single morning. I was doing affirmations, which for me help. I love affirmations. I know some people aren't big on them, but I love them. And I just started to kind of develop a routine. I think that was the biggest thing was a routine. And it was my mental health routine. Every single morning I woke up and I did my thing. I did things that helped me to feel better. So the affirmations, meditation, yoga, I changed my diet completely. I cut out all processed foods. I was just trying to eat as like clean and as healthy as I possibly could. But obviously you want to have balance as well, right? I don't, I I don't say that. I don't want to say like I became like this, like health, you know, (laughs) guru. Well, I was going to say, especially with OCD, you, I'm sure you're a therapist and you are working on that together because that can be a slippery slope when you have OCD and food and yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was something I was struggling with at first as well. And now I have a lot more balance. Now I'm able to kind of, I'm able to, to have whatever I want, if I want it. Right. Um, but just overall diet change, um, and physical exercise, which I think were really big aspects to, to my healing and just connecting with, connecting with my support system. I'm so lucky because unfortunately I know a lot of people don't have that support system. And I think that that was such a big part of my healing is having my family and having my friends be there for me to guide me and and help me and to remind me like, you're going to get through this because in the middle of it, you don't feel like you're going to get through it. And so sometimes you need that reminder from other people to tell you like, no, you are going to get through this. Right. Totally. Yeah. Um, That's a huge part of my toolkit. I always talk about, you know, um, creating your toolkit. I know you have you have a copy of my book Mm -hmm. um, and it's such a huge piece of this whole this whole journey is learning how to create your own healing toolkit. And so my support system is a huge part of it. It's 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 you shouldn't be dependent on any certain piece of your toolkit. Right. So much. But having having all different aspects of what can help you, that's kind of the magic recipe, right? So absolutely, it sounds like you were able to find yours, which is so wonderful. And I'm so, so happy that you're doing better. Um, and you. for anyone that, that doesn't know, ERP is exposure and response prevention. Um, so anyone who's interested in that type of professional, um, I would just look up ERP, mm-hmm. um, you know, in your area and see if there's experts, um, because that is one of the best types of therapy for OCD and treatment and um, phobias. Um, So I've, I've, I have a lot of colleagues in the Philadelphia area that specialize in that too. So DM me if you're in the area, I can give you some resources. Um, But I I, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Um, I guess for for our listeners, if there's one piece of kind of 
I don't know, just something that that you think will help our listeners that might be struggling with what you went through? What is the one piece, I guess, of advice that you would give them? Yeah, I think for me, one of the most, just one of the thoughts that kept popping into my head when I was really struggling, and, and I would, I kept thinking this every single day was, I'm, I'm never going to get through this. Like, this is it. This is my life now. And I'm just going to feel this way forever. And now looking back on it, I, I feel so different than how I felt in that moment. And I've got, I did get through it and I did rise above it. And I think so much, so many times when we're struggling, you know, it's not our fault. We think that that's it for us. We think that that's, that's just how life's going to be. And so I think I just want people to know you can be in a really difficult spot. You can be in, in a dark tunnel, but you're not hopeless. You're not, this, the situation is not helpless. There is, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It might take you some time to get there. It might take you some trial and error to get there, but you can, and you will get there. And so I think just holding on to that message of hope, because being in a really, really difficult situation and really believing wholeheartedly that I was not going to get out of it and then getting out of it showed me that I can get through pretty much anything that comes my way. Yeah. I There was one more part of your story that I personally, you know, I messaged you about and I really... I really uh, tried to feed some words into you too about my personal journey and that's the spiritual aspect of it. And so t- kind of like, tell me how that just like, what, what happened to you in those moments? Cause I see, yeah. Yeah. Just I was going to bring it. I was going to, I know I was going to bring that up to you because we definitely, we've chatted about that a couple of times yeah. and that has been a really significant part of my journey for sure. Um, I've always been a spiritual person, but I was, I would just say I kind of lost touch with that before this all happened. Um, and I feel like that I was think- what you were, you were kind of saying about how like you were like going off on a path. Do you feel like you were kind of losing that part of you for a yes, while? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, we grew up, I grew up Catholic. And I mean, I think there's a difference between religious and spiritual, right? Like, I think that there's definitely a difference between that. Um, And so I was, I was always kind of spiritual, like I always believed in something, I just didn't know what I really believed in. Um, And, but I lost touch with it a lot. And I started to kind of look at the world in a very grim way, like, is grim a word? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good it's a good description. <laughs> that was a good word. To use. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, so I started to kind of look at the world in a grim way and just started to have like thoughts like, oh, like it's just everything just like is so dark. Everything sucks. Like the world is going downhill. Like I just had a very like negative outlook on life. And I think, you know, rightfully so in some ways. Like I think we've been through a lot the last few yeah. years. Um but also at the same time, I think I just kind of, I stopped looking at the beauty of the world and, and more just kind of at, at what was going wrong. And I I was thinking a lot like, you know, if there is a God, like why, 
why is this all happening? Like having a lot of like questioning about my faith and wondering why is like, the why world- would you allow this to me? Why would you allow this to happen to me? Yes. Like, I'm a good person. I sow so much to the earth. Like why would you let this happen to me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think you know a lot of people will go through that kind of period in their life where they're questioning their faith. But then when I went through this really dark and difficult time, I I can't. I can't say there was one moment, but it was just like, I don't know. I just felt this like connection between me and just this higher power. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to dive into that more. And I mean, everyone's God might be different. Everyone's belief system might be different. But for me, it was, it was Jesus and it was God. And it was, I went back to, you know, my roots of being raised as, as a Catholic and I read, I, I said to my mom, I'm like, I want to read the Bible. I want to, I want to read, I just want to read about, you know, just the Jesus's experience. I want to read about the stories. And so my mom obviously was like shocked. She's like, what? You want to read the Bible? And so she ended up buying me a Bible and I, I started reading the Bible and not in such a literal way. It was more just like the stories and the teachings and, and the, because there's a lot of, you know, they're parables, right? So mm -hmm. they're they're not really necessarily, at least in my opinion, they're not so literal. Sometimes it's just like, what's the message behind this passage? And what's the message behind this story? And it just helps me so much to connect with that higher power and to pray. Because I think there's so much power in prayer. And and yeah, I really, I really, really connected with that. And just believing that there's something bigger than us, believing that there's there's something greater out there. Um, I think it, it just helps me so much. I, I think that's so beautiful. That's and it's great. so weird to me when you're saying this, that this is exactly what I went through. And I think that when we're in our lowest moments and you take away everything that's material in this world, and you really think of like, what's the one thing that's always there for me and cares for me. And like, it's weird how you just get those internal thoughts of like God, you know, and you're mm -hmm. just like, you, 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 and then I, I did the same thing. I, I, I like got a Bible and I was just like, all right, I'm just going to go back to the basics. And then when I'm reading it, I'm, you know, I started my journey and it was like, why would you allow this to me? Like, if you're real, like why, you know, I had all these thoughts. And then as I read it, it was like, wow, like look at all the people in the Bible who went through these really freaking hard times, mm -hmm. like his closest friends, he allowed to go through these really tough periods of life, but then they came out on the other end and they, like it says in there, like you will go through trials and tribulations of this world. Like you are promised that, but mm -hmm. you're all, you're also promised peace and prosperity and like goodness to come afterwards. And I, I truly believe that with my story and your story and Allison's story that we all went through these really hard times and it's all about how you take it. Mm -hmm. I took my story and I was like, never in a million years. I remember saying this. I was like, God, I was like, if if this is true and your words are true and that trials and tribulations of this world will happen to me, but you promised that I will come out on the other end. And if that is true, I promise to use my story and to never let anybody else in this world that I come in contact feel alone. And so I think that's, oh, I'm getting teary eyed. I just think that's like such a beautiful thing that you know, and you and I both questioning and Allison, I'm sure you've questioned too, like, why is this happening to me? Like, mm -hmm. I'm a good yeah. person. And well, then when you really... Go ahead. No, sorry. Oh, no. Uh, when, when it happens to you, you're just like, I get it. It's almost like, did you have that moment 
where you're like, I, I, I get it now. Like Absolutely. it had to happen to me. And I know you said like, it's like, it's crazy to think like, and I tell people who follow me when they message me, they're like, kind of what you said, this is my life forever. Cause I had yeah. those same thoughts. I was like, I will never, there's a, there's a BA and a, a and an AA before anxiety and after anxiety. Like I was like, there, there's a new world. Like this is my life forever. And so mm-hmm. I remember feeling that way. Like, wow, like all the good days are completely over. It's almost like you're dead. Yeah. And then when I got through it, I was like, no, this is such a beautiful version of me that I love so much, just as much as the before anxiety me. And if not more, because now I have so much sympathy and caring and understanding mm-hmm. and uh, grounding. Like sometimes I think before you go through really hard things in life, you're so materialistic. You're so caught up in popularity and the things of this world that do not matter. And mm-hmm. you have to go through really hard things in life sometimes to be like, none of that matters. Yeah. What matters is love, compassion, being there for people. Yeah. And oh, I just well, I said that. I love that. I think too, because if you strip away, like you guys were saying, all of material things, you know, what's really important is like our health and the people we love. And without that, then what is all those other things? Yeah. You know, they're that doesn't matter. So anyone who's gone through any type of loss, like I, my dad died, um, like last year. So any type of grief or loss or any type of other loss, like with, with any person they love, you know, when they were younger or anything, it makes you, it really does make you feel grateful. And I think just gratitude is huge. You know, I was raised Catholic too, but I'm definitely spiritual. I'm not religious at all. I don't like read the Bible, anything like that, but there is a higher power 100 Mm percent in my belief in my mind a lot of people don't and that's fine and i think that like nature is basically my (laughs) what i believe in and so i I would say i'm probably like buddhist but even like people that have no like attachment to any type of religion or spiritual being there's so much more to every day just to be grateful for even if Mm -hmm. it doesn't connect to anything like we're talking about, but just gratitude every day and finding what they can wake up for and that there is purpose. Like you said, like there is hope, right? And, and you can come out of this dark space if you feel like you're in it. And we are three real stories, real humans. We're real humans, you guys. Um, (laughs) Real stories, real humans um, that have made it through the dark, a dark time and healing isn't linear. So just be patient with yourself. Be kind with yourself. Find the toolkit that works for you. Feel free to reach out to any of us. Steph, I'd love for you to kind of let everyone know where they could find you if they want to reach out to you, if that's okay. Absolutely. You can follow me at at Dear My Anxiety on Instagram. And you can also email me at info at dearmyanxiety.com. We'll put it in the show notes too for you guys. Perfect. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I was so excited to be here and it was so lovely chatting with you both. Yes. We're going to have you on again, honestly. I love this. I hope this. so. I would love that. And um, Steph, I hope. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm done. I I hope you know that like when I talk to you, I feel like I'm talking to someone who God knew was strong enough to get through what to go through and then get through and use their story. You're a beautiful person and you have a beautiful heart and you'll do big things in this world. Oh, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) You're so sweet. Thank you so much. You're so Thank you so much. See you guys next week. (laughs) Bye.
Bye. <laughs> As I'm tearing up. Okay, bye. <laughs> Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.